Welcome everyone to uh, a new format that we're doing uh, called Cafe Booleans, inspired by one of our guests on today, uh, John Ostman. Yeah, John just hey nodded. Guys. I was going. I was going to wave, and I realized that I don't know if you guys can see me or not. So. No, that's cool. And um, uh, with John joining us is old friend of the podcast and friend of ours, Susanna. How you doing, Susanna? Hi, good. Thanks for having me. <laughs> ah, thank you for coming on. Um, so these guys know what the format is. Um, oh, hey, Costa, how you doing? Hey, how's it going? <laughs> uh, this format is it's inspired by um, uh, John's work uh, that he's been doing with um, Raccoon Media Cafe. Raccoon Cafe Media, Raccoon Media no Cafe. No Raccoon Media Cafe, you got it right. <laughs> Good. Raccoon Media very Cafe. very kind, guys. Uh, thank <laughs> you very much for... Um, uh, using this as the spiritual successor <laughs> to, ah. to my experiment, Raccoon Media Cafe. So it might come back. You, you, yeah, you have knows? been uh, very open-ended with it. Uh, look, I said it won't be going on as a consistent thing. It may be uh, here and there for events and stuff. But hey, let's see what happens here. I mean, you know, this might be the next big thing. So. Listen to that voice, ladies and gentlemen. That is a AM radio soothing. <laughs> we need this. This is legit why we did it. Basically, we were like, we need that voice around. Um, and yeah, these are friends of ours. <clears throat> Basically, the format we want to do um, for a few of these episodes is just like a wrap up, really, a conversation, a wrap up. What's going on locally? What's going on globally? All still focused around, you know, the games industry and and. And cool things that's happening, but you know, a bit more relaxed. We always tell our guests with the podcasts, we do the the classic podcasting. We're like, oh, you know, it's a long form conversation, it's relaxed and stuff like that. And yet we still write all these dot points of questions and <laughs> stressful. Yeah. So exactly, yeah, yeah. So this is meant to be a more um a relaxed format. Um as relaxed as anyone's employers will allow them to be, you know. <laughs> uh it's easy for most of us to but um you know, feel free to just be yourself, do yourself, it's whatever. But, um, yeah, so uh, Costa's prepared us a bunch of questions. I am the researcher, the lead researcher on this uh, <laughs> <Over to laughs> finding research interesting team. articles, yeah. <laughs> well, the first thing that uh, piqued my interest and certainly will pique the interest of everyone in this chat was Epic Games and UniSA teaming up for an Unreal Academic Partnership. That is the title there. This is news that comes from the 24th of September. And I'll give a little bit of a, a description um, as to what's happening, but then I would love to hear everyone's thoughts on this. So Epic Games and the University of South Australia have teamed up to deliver the Unreal Academic Partnership Program in Australia, helping to give tertiary students industry-leading game development knowledge. UniSA is the first Australian university to be accepted into Epic Games International Program. The game design courses offered at UniSA is structured around Unreal Engine while teaching theory, technical and business development skills in addition to aiming for well-rounded graduates equipped for careers across game and software development. It's a bit of a spill there. Uh, we have Susanna here who is the lead on the UniSA, uh, give us a little bit of, you know, a description on uh, on your title and how this came to be, really, um, and what this means for education, both at UniSA for game development, but also broader. What does it mean for for the future of of uh, education in games? Wow, well, that's a big 
a big topic is another feature of education in case yeah, this is a very relaxed format we're doing isn't yeah. it <laughs> and you're like how are you going to move forward education forever <laughs> no but seriously um like i'm so excited by this like uh like overly excited by this i think like um I was legit like, if this is the best thing, if this is the thing that, like, I'll retire happy knowing that we've got, (laughs) (laughs) that I have this partnership, that we have this partnership now. Um, I'm that excited by it. Um, But, uh, no, I'm, uh, yeah, you said, who am I? Um, I'm the uh, lecturer of games design at UniSA and I head up the games design major. And there's a new major in the Bachelor of Creative Industries degree that we started last year for the first time. Um, and basically like the major itself, I've kind of like, I've, I've been able to like, um, talk to a bunch of awesome people in industry. Like, um, Alex has been amazing and just a bunch of other people and really kind of find out like from everyone, when you were starting out, what would you have wanted to know in an undergrad degree? So gone way back to the start and thought about like what I would have wanted to know and what everyone else would have wanted to know and then kind of built this major around that. So rather than like when when I went to study originally, it was like you kind of learn these very specific skills and then you were like you could graduate and you could be like a game designer in a company or you could be an interactive designer. It was cool back then, which, you know, I don't know what that even is now um, in a company, but if you couldn't get a job, you were kind of like, oh, what do I do now? Um, so like, I really wanted to like with this major and kind of like what I was hearing as well in, from from everyone that I was talking to is, is kind of like being an indie dev. So like what do you need to know to be an indie dev? So if you, if you finish graduation, uh, you finish your major and you say, hey, I'm not really so keen on working in a studio. I want to make my own IP. I want to make my own products. How do you do that? So the majors kind of designed in the Bachelor of Creative Industries, we've got like courses in like freelancing and business and stuff like how to start incubating your ideas and how to get ABNs and how to be a contractor and all of that stuff. And then the major kind of supports that. So it starts with like game design theory and then we go into like prototyping straight away. So straight away you start prototyping. Um, We look at using Unreal and we look at like, all the things that you can use to to bring your ideas together. So like using mega scans, Quixel mega scans and stuff like that, instead of modeling everything from scratch, like how can you get these big projects and these worlds together as quickly as possible? And then, um, yeah, I'm to group work. And now I'm hogging all the topic, but essentially, <laughs> um, yeah, just looking at those those ideas. And um, Epic, um, the Unreal Academic Partnership is amazing for that because uh, who better to promote the idea of developing um, your own work from scratch without having to pay stupid fees than um, than Unreal. <laughs> you know what's awesome as well is, I mean, UniSA is from memory teaming up with some of these huge companies. I know they teamed up with Rising Sun a few years ago and they're offering uh, subjects through them as well. So, yeah. Um, you know, and I mean, now that Epic, now that Unreal uh, Engine is moving into movies as well, it's kind of... <laughs> almost come full circle that UniSA is kind of teaming, teaming up with these industry giants in the two fields. And it's it's so good because um, like even now, like it's so hard to find Unreal developers in Adelaide. Like it seems to, like it's not a global problem. It's an Adelaide kind of We're a unity issue. town. Yeah. yeah, we're a unity town. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we're yeah, such... Yeah, because Alex, we went to one of those Unreal meetups, didn't we? And there was like what? 
15 people there. Yeah, top. yeah, yeah. And I think yeah. maybe three of them were actual developers. Yeah. Key word, key word that Susanna used there was town, not, yeah. not city. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, like, you know, I've been to the, I mean, John just said, went to the um, Unreal Unreal meetups and, um, you know, when they have people from Epic come and and what they say of, like, the students who use Unreal in Australia compared to the students that use Unreal in America, um, and there's there's just a, a huge difference just because it's not, I don't know, it, it's just like sh- like a lot of developers shy away from it around here and uh, it's just used as, like, an artist tool. And as John said, now it's being used in film. So, like, it just makes sense that, you know, we get on the forefront of this kind of stuff. So this is awesome. Yeah, I, I don't know whether there's this mentality that Unreal is a lot harder than Unity to learn or something because I kind of, before I touched Unreal, that was kind of the feeling I had about it. I don't even know where that came from. I think it's just the looks of it. It just looks scarier. Yeah. Um, yeah well, but, you know, once like um, once I joined on the uh, Rooftop Renegade project and I was starting to do blueprinting and stuff like that, um, like I've done programming in the past, but blueprinting makes it a lot easier, uh, especially as a visual person. Um, it just definitely yeah, helps a lot. So, and that's the thing, like with the major, like um, you know, we're designers, we're learning to design. Like coding is its own special, unique, amazing skill, but like it's not enough classes, you know. Yeah, so doing yeah. something visual that we can start prototyping in that's not that doesn't frighten me. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's just so yeah. much easier to get started doing something that you want to do or doing that prototyping without starting from nothing. Yeah, I was so scared of Unreal back um, in the day. (laughs) I was just wondering, is there? I don't know if you do teach this or this can be taught, but is there anything there about teaching scope and stopping feature creep and all that kind of thing? Yeah, well, kind of because um, yeah, that's another big thing that that comes up, and like especially you know with it comes up even in my own projects. So, um, but we got uh in the third year of the major we put in a class that we're writing at the moment that's specifically around project management and so specifically around like the stuff used in in games and um we've got Amelia Shignola who used to um do all the amazing work with two lives left um on board for that because you know like I don't know if you've ever met Amelia you know that like she is the most amazing person at keeping things on track so yeah. when you work with her you're like you're just sitting there and you're saying all these big things and she's like bring it back you know like and she yeah. just kind of manages you and I think that's yeah, cool. so important in games like we need to be able to 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 scope and scale and just to learn that like if we want to add this thing we have to take out something else right and just know how to chart all that and manage that because otherwise it's just there's just going to be nothing. Um, even just like, you know, with Trello boards or whatever, which Alex knows I use because otherwise I forget that anything <laughs> about everything. But even just the, the process of timelining what you're doing and, yeah, just knowing that changes you make are going to affect other areas is just so such an important skill, I think, for us, all of us in the games industry really to know. Yeah, totally. Because I, I know before you were talking about um, things that we wish that we had learnt when we got into game design, and so, like, so I started uh, studying game design at UniSA way back in the day. Um, didn't didn't end up finishing game design. Finished uh, doing multimedia instead. But um, I think there was one thing that I heard was about feature uh, feature creep and scope. But it 
it wasn't until I guess just life experience beated it into me. <laughs> just the amount of projects, both personal and teams that are that were started that just either people burnt out or um, you know just didn't go anywhere or whatever, just because no one really knew how to kind of keep <laughs> the cap on things. So. Mm. That's the best way to learn, really. It's just like to experience it yourself. Uh, you, you can, you can, you know, learn in a uh, in a course, or you know, do a pro- I did a project management course that you know taught me about feature creep and uh, managing expectations and all of that. And you know, you think, yeah, cool, I've learned all this, and then you, you go into all the mistakes that you learn about. And it's only until you do those mistakes that you actually realize, okay, yep. Next time I'm not going to do that. Next time I'm not going to feel like this. Next time I'm not going to, you know, do all these these um, major stuff ups. But yeah, it's always it's always something you have to learn. It was, it was okay. interesting. I want I wanted to ask you, Susanna, actually around like I know UniSA is always thought of as like, you know, you do practical stuff like more practical than say the other universities. I don't know if that's true, but it's something I always hear. Um, yeah. How how is that sort of practicality like in in the course that you're teaching and and with with this new sort of Epic Games partnership or um, program is uh yeah is is that going to be feeding into that like how do you sort of use you know around that um yeah what's the practicality around it yeah um, I think that's really good a really good question a really good point and I think um with something like there's a whole bunch, you know, like you graduate, say you finish high school and you know what you want to do. If you want to learn a technical skill, most people go to TAFE because that's where technical skills are. If you want to learn, um, you know, academic theory and to be a, like a philosopher or something, you, you go definitely go to uni because you want to learn those skills. I think game design is a really unique because we want to learn practical skills on how to, to realize things and prototype and, and try things practically, but we also game design is better when we're informed by research and all design is better when we're informed by research. So I think game design is one of the perfect places to be learning both. So with the major, like that's kind of a big focus. Like we learn game design theory. So like, you know, um, Jesse Shell's Elemental Tetrad, what makes up a game? It's the mechanics, the aesthetics, the technology and the story. Mm-hmm. And we learn those things and how they interact with each other. And then we start playing with those and applying them to, to designing our own game. And, you know, learning twine, we start learning with twine. So we start prototyping with twine because it's really easy to get started, but you can start applying theory that you've learned to those concepts. And then we kind of move into like learning 3D environments like Unreal and learn theory like environmental storytelling theory and how the the items that you place in the scene and the wear and the damage and the colors and the lighting and, and all of that can also communicate certain emotions, tone, mood, story, all of those things. So the way that I've kind of wanted it to go with the major and the way that I've kind of focused it is where we're doing those, that theory and that practice throughout the whole process and it's kind of informing and applying and learning from each other, if that makes sense. So you might start doing something in practice and applying a theory and then go, oh, I really, really like how this is going. I really like this idea. And then you'll work more on that practice and then that will inform what future theory you start researching and kind of guide you to start doing that yourself throughout the major. So when you graduate and you're working on your own game, you never go, Oh, what do I do next? Like you always know Mm. what you need to find out or how you can keep researching it or even just like who you can go to talk to. Like 
you know, if you need some help with your 3D art, you know that Alex exists in the world and you can go <laughs> hit him up on Discord or whatever. Like, <laughs> oh, I, thought you, I thought you were going to more say, like, you can hit up AAA artists, like from the Star Wars <laughs> games and stuff like that. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, like, just, just we're really lucky we've got such a cool community in Adelaide, like, mm. of people who are willing to help each other. And I think, like, we're all pretty open to, to helping each other when we have skills and uh, we can help each other and, like, that's another really important thing I think we need to learn as indie devs from undergrad study, from our study when we first start doing this stuff is how can we connect with each other? Where are we connecting? How do we maintain these relationships and keep our skills on, keep sharing and learning from each other too? It's such a, like, I always say this to um, <clears throat> the place where I work because it's all dealing with startups, which, you know, if we're talking indie games, they they are, you know, their own startups as well. But um, indie games always exist in such a uh, a unique position because it's so passion driven. One from um, like, you know, on the bad side of it being passion driven, it's because like, you know, if it's like globally, governmentally, whatever you want to say, not taken as seriously as it should be, or if it's from the good side, it's because you spend all day making games and then you go home and you play games where like you know, Costa, when you were with your startup, like, and you, if you were meeting other project managers, you're not like, let's go home and plan a project together just for fun, you know, but like, unless games, you're, it's a, huh? Unless you're like planning your own life or something, you know, you love <laughs> go home and plan our lives together. Let's go home and get a Kanban board, board up. Let's get a drilling <laughs> board up. Yeah, but games. Have a uh, bath. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Done. Done, yeah. Sounds but, like um, I probably use a life board, actually. Like, yeah. <laughs> eat you know yeah. sleep yeah all right well, there's those apps have you seen them um oh there was one a couple of years ago where it like turned your life into a to-do, like your to-do list into an rpg game and you got points Habitica, for doing it yeah, Habitica, yeah. 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 yeah you yeah, definitely yeah. tried that one uh, it just stresses it, you out by the end does of it, it does it work i no. always want to know <laughs> no. different people okay. i've my my sister tried it and loved it um and i tried it and i'm like this is just more work on top of what I was already yeah, meant to right? be doing and I'm just not doing either now. I feel like I'm project managing my life at that point and I'm having yeah, to yeah. put on this effort to just like make sure I'm, you know, on track with things. And then you try and figure out how to cheat the system. Yeah. Like, I get more points. <laughs> yeah. Cheat codes. Um, yeah. But, you yeah, know, it's Susanna was saying. Uh, Susanna was saying. <laughs> Susanna was saying. Sorry. Um... Uh, like yeah, it sells, is. She sells. She sells. Susanna was saying. Susanna. Um, what, what was Susanna saying? Susanna was saying. <laughs> um, no, it was about the, uh, you know, how close-knit we are. Um, and, you know, geographically, with the size of us, that is awesome. Because like, we're so small, we get – everyone seems to know each other in the, in the industry or we know of each other. Um, but, you know, even Melbourne and – and sit. I actually know I, that's. I was about to just full on lie to you because I remember that we we spoke to um, Ashley Ringrose, and he was like, "No, Sydney's too big for that." Uh, I mean, it's still pretty close there from what we heard. Like, it, there's there's pockets of you know, game developers in all the different states. They they seem to be pretty close knit. But I guess yeah. I mean, having a bigger bigger city, you're gonna have yeah maybe smaller pockets and that sort of stuff. So it's maybe not as cohesive. Whereas Adelaide's that sort of perfect size where you almost know everyone in the in the community and what they're doing and what they're working on. Yeah. How much was um uh 
your study, Susanna, um, how much did that influence when you um, when you started in this role and, and now with the Epic Partnership, how much does that influence moving forward what you do, moving forward and, and what you've already set up? Yeah, um, well, I think when I did my undergrad, it was kind of like that. Like I, I did it and I didn't really know what I was going to do after and then I finished and like there was no jobs. So I was like, oh, I better do something else. So I studied education. I became a teacher just because there was nothing else to do kind of thing. <laughs> it's still <laughs> a hard then, thing to do. Yeah, no, it wasn't easy. I, but then like I was – I when I was studying teaching, I kind of found out like teaching and game design are kind of like exactly the same thing. Like – uh, seriously though it's like I think I've talked to you Alex about this before but it's like here's the thing I want you to know to move forward here's mm. the information now show me that you're applying that information so it's like here's a bad guy jump on it it dies right now here's harder bad guys jump on mm. them they die now here's Bowser he's gonna jump too like <laughs> right? how much have you learned can you do it right and yeah, then you yeah. and this, that's what teaching is. It's like, hey, here's some information, and now I'm going to assess you on that information. Like, how well do you know it? Show me how well you know it. Like, write yeah, a story also, or do a test or whatever. It's kind of the same thing, right? This is a TED talk we really need. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the ultimate gamifying. Yeah, gamifying. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Mm. But makes yeah, sense. They're, they're very similar. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because yeah, that's how you explain it to me, uh, the Mario thing. Um, it was uh, Goomba Goomba, then Cooper. No, it, then Turtle, uh, whatever we're calling them, you know. Yeah, good level design. It's Goomba, mm. two Goombas, Turtle. Turtle, yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Increasing complexity, like. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, um, no, so I think, like, that, yeah, that definitely informed um, that going ahead because I go, oh, hey, that's kind of all the same, and then. You know, I went into my research area, which is about that. It's kind of like games for teaching and games for social change and kind of like it's basically everything that like the advertiser says games is the opposite of. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, they're like, oh, games cause violence. And I'm like, well, what if games can prevent violence? Mm. So kind of just opposing of that whole thing. And, you know, games make our children stupid. Well, how about actually games make our children smart? Like, <laughs> nah, <laughs> nah, I don't think you're right. Let's flip that. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I think, like, that comes through in the major because just that idea of, like, how powerful games are. So, like, even in the first class, like, you know, we kind of come in and we say, hey, what do you want to do? Like, we're going to make games. We're going to learn about games. And people say, oh, you know, um, cool. I, like... Call of Duty and I'm like okay cool what do you like about Call of Duty I don't really know but by the end of the class they'll be able to tell you why well you know we all know why then everyone will be able to explain why they like a game and mm. what they're going to make a game about and what that does or what that conveys or because everything communicates something like we know that like as designers whenever we make anything it communicates something what are you communicating is it intentional is it accidental even if it's accidental, it still matters, right? Mm. Like mm. what information are we communicating to people in the things that we make and just how important that is for us as designers. Yeah, mm. for sure. Um, even the way things communicate, uh, John, sound, you know, music, like. Uh, oh, yeah. That is so, like, it's a, it's just a, an aspect of the game that like it's, you know, like such an unsung hero of it. 
unless you really like it. Like you don't casually like it or it seems to be you either loved the soundtrack, you loved the music or you didn't even notice it kind of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's one but of those even things. Even if you didn't notice that, it's like that's, that's like intentional, right? Like yeah. Hopefully, <laughs> I know some some composers. Uh, I saw a roundtable of composers, movie composers, recently. Actually, it was like Hans Zimmer and Danny Elfman and a few of the other guys. And the interviewer was like, um, "So, how do you guys feel?" Like a lot of them had started off in rock bands and stuff. And he goes, "How do you guys feel that um, you know you're now doing music for movies where?" the soundtrack's not really meant to be noticed and it's in the background. And they all just turn to the interviewer and they're like, we are so sick of interviewers asking this because that's not Mm. true. Like the soundtrack, (laughs) unless it's specifically meant to be like background and you don't notice it, um, often good soundtracks do pop out at the right moments. And I mean, I was playing uh, Cyberpunk 2077 to finally try it last night. Um, It's a nice plug for that indie team. Yeah, that's small uh, <laughs> lo- local uh, Polish, I think, <laughs> team. Yeah, um, but that's a soundtrack in my eight hours of gameplay so far that kind of shifts between background and foreground, I think, and it does it well. Um, mm. There's a lot of kind of drones that kind of set the mood, but then there's key moments narratively, you know, where something intense happens and... Uh, either drums come in or lyrics come in or something that's a bit more noticeable and it kind of just adds to that whole experience so on that on that note of of movies i wanted to segue into our second article here the second bit of news it's around netflix (laughs) (laughs) so netflix is stepping into well we've seen a lot of you know interactive things that netflix has been doing on their platform to sort of gamify let's say a lot of their tv shows but the second bit of news from the 24th of september um is netflix queuing up a roguelike pc game to go along with its action movie called kate so this is the this isn't the first tie-in that we've seen um with netflix original but now that it's seriously entering the space each title feels a little different so this is a title developed by ludic studios and the new game is a time attack action roguelike that relates to the movie Kate. And this is a Netflix movie starring Mary Elizabeth Winstead about an assassin who has 24 hours to find the antidote to a poison that is killing her. That sounds like a game. Yeah. <laughs> um, the plot of the movie makes the game's time attack approach easy to understand as players take over the central character on her quest. And as its steam d- description reveals, players extend the length of each run by killing enemies slow to slow down the constantly depleting timer and earning stimulant syringes that reset it entirely. So Kate Collateral Damage is scheduled for release uh, via Steam on October 22nd. There's no pricing listed yet, um, but it doesn't look like this game is tied to your subscription like the ones Netflix is testing on Android. What are your thoughts on this? I thought this was an interesting one. Um, Netflix seems to be pretty aggressively moving into this gaming space and it looks like they really want to, yeah, they want to have some sort of foot in the gaming space. Yeah, what's that last bit yeah. about uh, Netflix is testing games on Android? That's news to me. They are testing games on Android, yeah. And I'm not sure if this is within the Netflix app or if it's within other, um, you know, Play Store stuff that they're doing. But right. again, like... 
they got like a pretty multifaceted approach to be uh, getting getting into this. I was looking up on um uh yeah to cover that second part like John was saying the um they're doing the games. I was looking them up who they got. They got um Mike Vadu who I didn't know anything really about him. Um, but since Costa taught me how to stalk people on LinkedIn privately, um, <laughs> I jumped onto that and I looked up what he'd done. And he's basically, uh, I say basically, but he's, he's done a lot. He's like uh, studio heads and stuff like that. He's worked for EA and Zynga. But the kind of games that they produced while he was working there was stuff like Farmville, Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes, Mafia Wars. So like those real... Uh, other mobile. small indie projects yeah other small indie <laughs> exactly yeah you know uh, we wish them the best um, uh, but um, either mobile games or Facebook mobile games which I thought was interesting because um, I remember when they announced Facebook had game we're going to bring games back in like I don't know it was like 2008 they first mentioned it maybe earlier how everyone had was it was like the similar reaction with Netflix of like how are you going to get this to work it doesn't make sense and now you can see exactly how it works and if you had said that games exist inside the chat function of facebook you'd still be like what the hell that doesn't but seeing that then it makes sense now why they would have gotten uh this mike vadu who's has this history um and then moving into mobile games seems like it, it's it's kind of like a mighty kingdom kind of thing and like a thing other ones have done where they seem to start with mobile games because maybe they it's a quicker turnaround. Um, the game loop is quicker, but then they all plan on going to console and, and the premium games and maybe they do something like that. But yeah, so that was interesting who they had hired to lead this. I mean, it's, yeah. And it's an interesting, like, I wonder if it's planned, like in this circumstance, you know, from the get go, the, the movie sounds like it has the premise of a game, right? Like you've got all these, uh, you know, you've got the the structure there for it to to have a goal to understand like what the the players might be doing in this if this movie was a game. So it's interesting if like I wonder if they actually planned it from the get go to be able to to say, yep, we're going to do this movie and we're going to have this game tie in at the same time. And, it, and the- it's interesting, like it's sorry, sorry, it's, go on. Well, it's, yeah, it's, I was just gonna, yeah. go go on. Cost no, me. no, I was going to say like it's it's. You know, you talked about hyper casual games, but this game is like on Steam. You know, it's a it's a PC game, and it looks pretty looks pretty cool. Like it doesn't look like a you know a super I guess that's casual. Because they they're saying this doesn't yeah. relate to the mobile games. This is their own. Yeah. Does yeah. the does it look this? I, I haven't seen what the movie looks like. I've seen what the game looks like. The game looks awesome. Um, yeah. If people like pixel art and Hotline Miami and um, Enter the Gungeon. Then this game, those are the things that I love. So this game looks sick. Um, does the movie look like the game, or has the movie got act like real life actors in it? Real life actors, yeah. Um, I believe the it I believe the like movie. A, a lot of yeah. um, like transmedia stuff, like you know, mm. like they're going. Maybe Netflix are going. Oh, look, you know, Marvel's going really sick with their um, multiverse stuff, like and that yeah, transmedia right. storytelling that people love now, where it's like across multiple mediums, like where you get more of the story in different places yeah. like because it's more engaging or whatever because people are interacting with more of your in media it's probably really good for business like mm. yeah you like the movie well buy the game you can find yeah. out you know a bit more it's like yeah. you know when you read comics and there's like prequels and you're like oh, yeah right there's one shots yeah. yeah all right like 
Yeah. I'm not going to buy all the X-Files one-shots. Oh, wait. Shit, I just did. Like, yeah. You know? <laughs> well, that's I, it. I had that with uh, Avatar The Last Airbender where I finally got into that and smashed out the series in like a week. And then I went to the wiki, the fan wiki, and it's like, there's comics as well. What? <laughs> you know, you start like looking through all those. And- I was like, it's like the Life is Strange comics. I'm buying all those. Like, yeah. yeah. Sweet. Like, yeah. Um, the the heartbreak of that because like I I'm a fan of that as well of the um what you call it trans transmedia trans media yeah yeah transmedia I guess but like what I think Marvel and DC call it like multiverse don't they like, mm. oh yeah or something like, yeah across uh, mediums across yeah all the, sort um, of unified the ones who botched it for me and, and now I guess be worried is uh Halo Five. If if you guys, I don't know if you, it, it, the 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 silence makes me go okay. Yeah. This was just yeah, a new no. I'm not an Xbox person. But, I'm out. Between <laughs> the games and the books, no. Well, that was fine. Um, uh, the problem was they like overpromised, right? So w- their whole marketing campaign for it was. Um, I don't know if you remember. Halo had these like two trailers going, right? They were like, oh. Um, the Master Chief's a bad guy. No, the Master Chief's a good guy. It's all to do with the spin. And then they released these podcasts and the podcasts were like, it was a um, an army investigator who was um, like doing logs and saying, oh, you know, uh, it was it was actually pretty cool because they got, um, it was like the front cover of the Halo 2 game, right? It's like the Master Chief posing with the guns and something like that. And they, he was saying like, this was a publicity photo, but it's been doctored. And they're like, if they've done that, what else are they lying about? So it was this whole uncover the truth. They had such a cool metaverse thing going. And then the game came out and they're like, yeah, we don't give a shit about it. That doesn't matter. Like no. you, you oh, wasted yeah. your time, which I, I, I understand as well, because the other side of the metaverse thing is like, uh, if you're just a cat, like I imagine a huge chunk of the money would come from casual players and, watches they don't want to see they want to have to buy all these separate things it it should just enhance it if you're interested in it you can find these extra like you found john like you finished anime and it by the sounds of things that your story wasn't your enjoyment wasn't skewed by the fact that there was comics because you didn't even know you, you weren't like watching it and being like something's missing here it was like yeah yeah that's right and i i think you're right you kind of need the core experience there to enjoy mm-hmm. it to and then it's like i think what happens then is you know you kind of enjoy it enough that you create that kind of emotional bond with it and then it's like when you finish a good book you're like oh man is that it like i want more kind of thing. Yeah. and that's when you start looking for more and that's when like if they have more available that's when you start getting into that and it's one thing that you know star wars has done really well i think um is just have more content. <laughs> there you go. See, Alex has a Star Wars cup <laughs> that right now. product, please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even though this um, is from uh, Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and some, sometimes you prefer the peripheral content. <laughs> yeah, like, I, honestly, I think Rebels is the best Star Wars thing now. Like, yeah. I just watch Rebels over and over. Like, it's, it's perfect, right? There's, like, nothing wrong with Rebels. Just... When the clones turn the ATTE, was it the ATTE into the uh, the makeshift house? Oh my mm. god! Like, <laughs> yeah, you can't get away with that in a movie, but in Rebels, it just fits perfectly. But see, see, that's the thing. It's like it's almost as if these there's a lot of pressure for these movies to just do well, like financially, and you know they have to be on this grand scope that that they probably just don't try to 
well, they, they, they're restricted by like innovating and doing different things or having the yeah. freedom of the creative freedom. And then you, you see the sort of secondary, you know, medium in this, in this huge uh, connected universe, things like Rebels or things like um, Mandalorian. They just got this creative freedom to, to do whatever almost. And it's just not, there's just not that pressure. So you end up getting these really awesome, you know, bits of storytelling. There was and also like uh, games th- too, like right, like yeah. indies do things, and yeah, triple A's are a bit kind of worried to do things until they yeah. see them. Yeah. Mind you, in Star Wars, there was also like Star Wars Muppets crossovers. <laughs> I've seen <laughs> and, uh, Star Wars. Oh, if if you go and watch Ewok Adventures from the seventies. <laughs> That's amazing. I didn't realize until uh, last time I went on Disney Plus. There's all these like back when Star Wars first came out. It looks like they really tried to make that whole Ewok thing its own additional IP, and they span out all these cartoons and stuff. That I think you know you can do all that, and we remember the good ones, and the bad ones are forgotten. Thankfully, yeah. There's and that I mean, Christmas special. That Star yeah, Wars I was Christmas just special. Say, yeah. Yeah. I don't even know. Like I couldn't even finish that. It's yeah, just yeah, too yeah. weird. Like, well, I hear they're doing a, uh, is it Suicide, not Suicide Squad, um, is it uh, James Gunn, the Marvel, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, they're doing a Christmas special um, oh, yeah. really? of Star Wars, of uh, Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy, the Galaxy. as a oh, way really of good. sort of paying homage to the uh, Star Wars one. That's yeah. that's it though, you can do it because of that, it can be bad and it'll be good because of that. Yeah. Yeah, everyone's yeah. like, yeah, it's got to be bad. Yeah. It's so bad, it's good. It's, yeah. it's like, there's so much stuff like that. Like, <laughs> like uh, um, you look at, like, movies where they're set in the 30s or something and people are like, oh, man, the aesthetic was awesome. Like, look at the haircuts, look at the suits. But you're like, no, that was that was peak back then. Like, we now just have the technology and the luxury to look back and cherry pick the good parts of it, you know, not the... The Christmas Great Depression special. or the whatever Great Depression. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Also known as the Christmas special. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Like, um, it's so, yeah, it could be the Christmas special could be bad and it'll still be, they'll be like, ah, it was meant to be bad, you know. Mm. Mm. Um, and the Ewok thing, I guess that's what happens if you lead with marketing. Yeah. There was this documentary yep. I saw with, um, uh, do you guys know about the Kenner toys for Star Wars? So, like, they still release the retro looking toys in the packs, like for the new stuff. And it's made by the same company that's always done at Kenner. They were like the ones that got the first ever deal for star Wars toys. And it's, it's on Netflix. Uh, it's called, I think it's the documentary, the toys that made us. I think it's that one. And yep. the, the, the prototype for the Joa, um, you know, on the Tatooine, the little, little critters, the little, little rascals that trash everything. Um, they wear like those cloaks and the guy had like 20 minutes to make the presentation and he takes off his sock and cuts the toe off and then like wraps (laughs) that around. And he's like, one of the toys will look like this, like, and that worked, that got them the deal. And that's been working for what, 40 something years. And like, that's under production. Yeah. Uh, You know, that taking a risk, uh, like you said, Susanna, like smaller companies, I mean, bigger companies now won't take that risk or something like that. Like, uh, like I don't know, it's it, because the marketing wasn't thought of first. You know, it was the 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 you still had a tangible product, mm. and the imagination took care of the rest. Well, yeah, is there something it. there? Because you, you're talking about how um, kind of pulled something together. So I don't know if this article is saying it uh, mm. without reading it, but I know there's been other 
games where the original game engine or game had nothing to do with the movie. And then after it was almost done, um, marketing guys are like, oh, we can totally make this a tie-in. And we just like reskin it. <laughs> reskin. Yeah. So like, for example, um, I recently played with a friend. Um, there's a movie in the 40s, I think it was called Ben-Hur, which oh, yeah. I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's like a big, big gladi- gladiator epic. goes for like four hours. It's like one of the most famous movies. Anyway, on, back on PS2, someone released this Ben-Hur chariot racing game. Uh, if you play it, um, not only is Ben Hur not actually in, in it as a character, <laughs> um, it's just about other random like Greek um, people. Um, you also, I think, you race against the god Kronos, which was never in the movie because <laughs> uh, the, the movie was strictly like um, nothing supernatural about it. Yeah. Kind of thing, so it's um, yeah. It was like an attempt attempt at a uh, like a Mario Kart clone or something like that at yeah. the time. Yeah, yeah, it was, but it was yeah. just a tie-in. You know, they had already yeah. had the game, I assume, and then they're just yeah, like, yeah. let's slap the movie name on it. So yeah. McDonald's did a few of those. There's a YouTube video based on those of like reskin games that McDonald's just like chuck their logo into or change what you were collecting just for that purpose. Yeah, interesting. Segwaying. <laughs> I'm beautiful at segwaying. The third article here um, is around, we're sort of going a bit more local now, but the AGDA finalists have been announced for 2021. This was an article back in 9th of September. So GCAP is currently on, uh, I think it's today until Wednesday, I believe. So this uh, is the Australian Game Developers Awards, which uh, have, you know, the finalists were announced. Um, And this, the AGDAs, uh, they cover 10 categories for games as well as several awards for outstanding contributions to the industry. So uh, winners of these awards, uh, which include the Adam Lankman Award, Rising Star, Studio of the Year, and the Raising the Bar Awards will be announced during the online award ceremony on the final day of the GCAP conference, which is this Wednesday, so the 6th of October. Mm. This year, the AGDA nominees suggest an incredibly promising year for debut games. All three nominees for the Game of the Year are debuts from local studios. Spug Games debut webbed a cute physics platformer where you play as a peacock spider picked up nominations for best gameplay and audio in addition to its Game of the Year nod. The Artful Escape, uh, the creative vision of Johnny Galvatron of the Galvatrons also picked up nominations for Art and Audio. And the final Game of the Year nominee, which beams meditative title Unpacking, which was extremely popular, um, is yeah getting nods for art, gameplay, and accessibility. Uh, there's also last year's AGDA winner for Best Narrative. Uh, Cecil Richard has been shortlisted once more for 2021 after winning for their bitty game Under a Star Called Sun in 2020. Uh, this year is... Richard is nominated for another poetic microgame entitled Topography. And there's a whole list of nominees, but really awesome games, really looking forward to it. Has anyone been following GCAP today? I've been following GCAP, but I saw the game and I have to clarify my shutter. I just shuddered before, but that was at the word spider, not at the game. I've actually seen the game and it's awesome. And they have an arachnophobia mode, which is perfect for me, where oh, it, wow. it gets rid of the, the changes the spider. Um, but that game looks that game looks awesome. 
It's just exposure the therapy, isn't That's, it, Alex? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I actually, I was playing D&D on Saturday and um, we started playing in this dungeon fields with spiders. Like it oh. just spawns all these spiders. And um, one of the players was like, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> and the DM's like, all right, everybody, I'm just going to replace these spiders with giant toads. And we all just had to chill. <laughs> and we just switched every single spider out for giant toad things. So. Oh, my God. That's why when you're playing D&D, someone needs to pick the therapist class. So. <laughs> <laughs> Keep everyone grounded. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. No. Uh. That. What, who, what was the narrative game? Did you say typography? Did I make that up? It topography, is like topography. Like maps, you said, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Topography. The one I'm really keen on, and I've seen. There's like, I mean, a lot of people that I've been like friends with. They. Uh, they. They're obsessed with this unpacking game. Oh, have you, that's have you, so have good. Have you played it? Yeah, I've and heard of it. Yeah, and it's. Uh, I haven't heard of it. It's, it's a Queensland it's, game. Yeah, oh. it's a game where you literally unpack, pack and unpack um, as if you're moving, I think, oh, isn't it? In some unpacking sort of way. is a Zen puzzle game yeah. about the familiar experience of pulling possessions out of boxes and filling them into a new home. Oh, yeah. I'm, right. I'm, yeah. Gamifying. I, oh, wow. It's Packing. great. It's so great. It's um, It's been in development for like three years, I reckon, um, and... They have a huge following. You go on their Twitter. They have a huge following. Um, so they and they do it right. They do their marketing stuff right. But um, yeah, like when I first played it, it um, I didn't understand the concept because it's just that it's just unpacking. I played it at GCAP last year, um, and the, the guys are super nice. But um, yeah, you literally you've got like an empty bedroom. It's like a bed at a cupboard, and you just you don't pick what comes out of the box next. You just click the item comes out, and then you place it somewhere. Um, and then you rearrange stuff like yeah, is there kind of a, f- a narrative to it or anything like that? No. As in like you pull out okay. So it's just <laughs> Zen parts. Okay. No, cool. That's all right. That <laughs> still works. I no no sorry, I, I wasn't sure if it was like they were going for the um you know, like you pull out things and there's like memories from your previous house and it's like slowly telling the story of the character or something i think but. subtly there is like you're i mean i'm butchering this so i i think from memory you were in a kid's room so you were just unpacking kids like you wouldn't unpack like a kitchen knife or something like it was all kid related sort of things and i think there was something in the books or something like that but it's literally that was the thing it's like i couldn't get my head around why there was no narrative or something like that and then when it finally clicks where you're like it's okay alex there's nothing it's just unpacking like i like that would be so hard to showcase at a an event like gcap or something like that they cleaned up though because it's zen it's that's what it is it's that it's that feedback loop thing yeah yeah Yeah, right Mm. and and it's it's sort of i mean it's interesting like there's so many um categories now and i'm having a look at at the agda uh categories it's good to see that you know they've got um, accessibility um as a category but interesting they've got now it sort of ties into what we're saying before around netflix and, and sort of games in a different uh, capacity but they've got excellence in ongoing games so games as a service and you know that's that's games like crossy road castle by hipster whale so that's on um, apple arcade uh, pico tanks and the sims free play as well so yeah good to see that there's you know obviously with with the industry changing in that way um still having the agdas reflect yeah can excellence I, can I in all say- these different <laughs> I just tried going to the website and I ended up on the Australian Garage Door Association. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. Awards, the best garage door in Australia. <laughs> they should so 
lean into that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, why um, don't you make a game that's about garage doors and then you'll win all the awards? Oh, I you have could a feeling, do that. Yeah. You could do that, like um, Storage Wars, you know, the TV show? Where, like, oh, you I agree. There's the game, um, yeah, is it Moving Out? Yeah. Moving Out, oh, I love that game, SMG yeah. Studio, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, we had, another we had Ash Coast on the studio, podcast. I think. Yeah, yep. we had Ash on the podcast. That was, yeah, I love that game. It's, mm. that, that is addictive. Like, And it's interesting because it's like another approach to packing in some way. Like this one's, this one's uh, zen and, and moving out is like just panic. Just oh, I couldn't panic. <laughs> I couldn't. Yeah. It was it's like get everything out as fast as possible. Like Yeah, yeah. yeah. And like the um the way the characters move in moving out, like yeah. did my head in, but that was the point. That's not their fault, <laughs> yeah. that's my fault. Like um yeah. it does they don't move how you how you think they do. Like they yeah. they move like they're idiots, you know. That's that's all teamwork that game. That that game like it's either gonna make or break a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> It is interesting to see though how you can make games about the pretty much the same thing and then have like totally different games come out of it. Yeah. Mm. Well, actually, Susanna, you were you were telling me about that recently. The um, and you mentioned it before the principles of the game design, and you said that if you you change one, like changing one gives you a totally different game, like changing the aesthetics of a game or something. So, where John's like, there's a connection between unpacking and um, moving out, but it's aesthetically different it's mechanically different but narratively it's oh no that's it's in reverse but it's the same it's still moving and objects but yeah but very different so like if you think about like um among us versus um uh that card game um ultimate werewolf one that ultimate werewolf mm-hmm. right it's essentially the mechanics of that are the same like one person's the imposter and they've got to convince everyone else that they're not or one person's a werewolf and they've got to convince everyone else that they're not mm. so like the mechanics of that are the same the technology is different because one's card and one's digital um and the aesthetics are different because you know one's like a werewolf style and one's like the other thing like um you know space and little astronauty men but <laughs> The, the the tech is the big thing, the huge thing that changes the experience of that, not necessarily all of those things. So like you're saying, you can get a whole new game just by changing one of those four elements. And sometimes that changes another one, but not always. Sometimes you can just have that one element completely change the, the whole experience of the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, mm. um, yeah, fucking, I cannot do moving out. <laughs> <laughs> it's too stressful. Um, love it though, respect it. Absolutely. The next bit of news is probably one that uh, a lot of, well, all of our listeners probably have heard of it. Um, the Mario movie. Wait, the what? No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> Who's Mario again? <laughs> Actually, hilarious story about Mario. Um, <laughs> Because, <laughs> you know, Mario, in um, my undergrad, so when I was first at uni, my very first year at uni, I'm sitting in a lecture theatre and the lecturer is talking about Mario and they're talking actually about game aesthetics. Mm. And they said something, something about all the pipes because Mario is a plumber. And I go, Mario is a plumber? <laughs> and yep. I, seriously, I don't know how I got to like 18 and didn't know, but I did not know that Mario was a plumber. So <laughs> I, a, I literally he, out loud in that lecture, I'm he's like. A, he's a plumber from Brooklyn as well, specifically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is, and then I'm, I was like, 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. The 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 live action movie, right? Mario. Like I remember that now, right? But <laughs> but in the in the lecture theater, I was like, oh, Mario's a plumber. I yelled it out, and the guy oh in front God. of me, who you know happens to be my friend now at the time, like <laughs> I didn't know this guy. He turns around. He's like, well, duh. Like, how did you not know that? No, it's a good point there because it's never actually explicitly said in the game. Because I mean, I'm just looking according to Wikipedia. I think that little bit of lore about the Mario universe came out in the television series, which was yeah, yeah. one of those yeah, the cartoon back in the day. <laughs> yeah, because before he used to be a carpenter, and uh, this might be complete crap, <laughs> but I think they got rid of it because they said it sounded too biblical. I was going to say, well, like you know, because <laughs> you watch- he's going to save our souls from Bowser. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it started off the, the very first game was Jumpman, mm. yeah. and Donkey Kong was the enemy. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. I mean, his job was to jump, I guess, whatever comes with <laughs> yeah. comes that. That There's wasn't very lattice. lucrative. He had to retrain. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. So do you reckon, so does Mario live in the Mushroom Kingdom because it's covered in pipes or did no, he, he come the city? he lives in Brooklyn. We just established <laughs> <laughs> Is Brooklyn the Mushroom Kingdom? Uh, canonically, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Is Bowser from Brooklyn as well? Is that how it goes? <laughs> uh, he's South Brooklyn, yeah. He's his landlord or something like that. Well, actually, Mario is the landlord. Uh, like the game. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, when they were making um, uh, one of the games, when he was called Mario, like, because before, when he's Jumpman in that Donkey Kong game, he's just like a few pixels or whatever. But then later, when he became Mario, the name Mario was based off of. I want to say it was Shigeru Miyamoto's landlord or someone's landlord back at the time, someone who worked at Nintendo, was this yeah. Italian guy called Mario. So they just based it off of him. Even wow. I think it's even um, Kirby. Kirby is named from oh Jack the, Kirby. I hope yeah. it's Jack Kirby. Yeah. No, <laughs> no, no, no. I think it's the, the lawyer who defended um, Nintendo from. I think a lawsuit around King Kong King with Donkey Kong. Kong. Oh, wow. And I think his oh, name was wow. Kirby. And I think, as in, I think, again, I'm butchering it, but I, yeah, out of, out of honor, they named uh, the character. What a metaphor Kirby. for a lawyer, something that eats everything. <laughs> I was about to say that, like, honor or like. <laughs> Dishonor. <laughs> we used to have all this cash, and now yeah. it's someone's. It's gone. <laughs> and you didn't get any bigger. So, oh, Kirby. Yeah. <laughs> So this so this this Mario movie uh, yeah. was announced uh, at the Nintendo Direct stream. Uh, the flick is set to release December 21, 2022, and Chris Pratt will voice the platforming plumber himself. So joining Pratt, the rest of the cast is uh, so Mario. You've got Chris Pratt, Luigi, Charlie Day, Peach, Anya Taylor Joy, Bowser, Jack Black, uh, Donkey Kong, Seth Rogen, Toad, Keegan Michael Key. Cranky Kong, played by Fred Armisen. Kamek, played by Kevin Michael Richardson. And Spike, played by Sebastian Maniscalco. Wait, um, who, who's Sebastian Maniscalco playing? Spike. So I think that's one of the Cooper. Oh, this is going to be awesome. Yeah, This right? is going to be so good. And, and yeah, they really went all out here. Yeah. And um, one of the, I think, so the, the Mario voice actor... Um, Charles Martinet, he will also be making some surprise cameos in the movie. Surely he's oh, doing Mario. Yeah, I mean, hopefully. <laughs> what What are your thoughts on this on this cast? I, I, and this this the huge sort of divide on the internet at the moment is around Chris Pratt playing Mario and not Charles well, Martinet. Is the, is the divide because people think he's not good at it? I, I think they he's- either 
think he's not good or they just want Charles Martinet in that role or okay. they're just thinking like, you know, Mario is has that certain, you know, it's a me Mario and now it's, I don't know, Chris Pratt. It's a Chris. <laughs> yeah, it's a Chris. <laughs> I always thought it was Danny DeVito that played Mario in the original movie. <laughs> I only just recently realised that it wasn't. <laughs> oh, that is a missed opportunity though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's actually something that people have been saying. I think that's actually like well, if you've got some ch- movement online talking about getting Danny DeVito to play Mario or something. If you've got like- Charlie Day as um, Luigi, that's the yeah, right? the duo from um, it's always, sunny always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah. 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 Danny yeah. DeVito and Charlie Day. That would be perfect. <laughs> or you could get Arnold Schwarzenegger to play Luigi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> could put the out of it. Do you I think, think they're like, like all right? Yeah. This is this is pure conspiracy here. But do you think they're like trying to establish young famous actors because they're looking at doing future movies and they're they're trying to like set up specific actors to be in these roles? Hundred percent, they're going for like a, a universe here. Uh, like I think it's this is leading up to some Smash Brothers. You know, it's going to be transmedia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> It's a mis- like the, the, everyone's trying to jump onto that. I wouldn't be surprised if Nintendo's moving in that direction. They've gone huge mm. into the Lego space as well, Nintendo lately. Like all mm. the Mario Nintendo that's out at the moment. Um, so yeah, it, it definitely. I mean, that's just a tie-in right there. Like there's, you'll see sets imagined from the movie and stuff like that. But that cast, because yeah. I've heard that as well. Like people annoyed about the cast and stuff like that. Like. Um, and I think they're joking when they're like, oh, why didn't you get an Italian to play um, Mario? Well, I, I mean, I have not looked up Charles Martinet, but he, I don't I, think I, he's I, Italian. No, he's not Italian. <laughs> I, mean, that I was going to say he's definitely French. not, but I don't know, actually. Uh, yeah, the name <laughs> he's sounds He's got very, French. very white hair. That's all I remember. Yeah. yeah. He also does was look Mario like Mario always well. Italian? Like, was he Italian in the original games? Like, because you said he was someone's landlord or whatever, so I guess that he probably was. Yeah, I think he was. Um, I guess whenever the sound question. bites started being, what, you know, I, I, I it's I remember, me or whatever. Like, whatever I, remember hearing, I remember hearing, I think it was uh, maybe an interview with Charles Martinet, and he was saying that when he went to audition, a lot of the people that went to audition hearing Brooklyn Italian plumber came in, you know, doing a very stereotypical Italian Brooklyn accent. And I think he, he was sort of the one that took it in such a different oh. direction that, yeah, right. That, they, they sort of took it in that direction, but he obviously did it in in, in the way that he did it, and, and that was what um, is now Mario. Yeah, because wow. um, then they were saying uh, it's for kids, so he didn't want to scare them with the Brooklyn accent, like the rough Italian. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's I'm, like uh, that wow. Simpsons when Lisa go, had talks, like goes over to the Russian town or whatever, and the guy's like. <laughs> But it's just three blocks that way. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She just runs away. <laughs> um, yeah, she ran in the wrong direction. Um, yeah, and because uh, I was watching this recently, um, he got the voice. He wasn't meant to be like, – it wasn't for the N64 version, which was the first voice version. It was for the tech demo of the Nintendo, and it was Mario's head, and he – was playing it live. It was doing a live facial capture. So people would walk past and he'd talk to them in his voice. And then, but people were saying, where's Luigi? Where's Luigi? And um, uh, they didn't have a character model for Luigi. So he couldn't swap him out and they didn't have a voice. So he came up with Luigi's voice, which is um, a voice where he didn't have to move his lips. <laughs> so the thing wouldn't pick him up. And that's what he's saying in the video is um, people are like, oh, where's... Um, 
where's Luigi? He goes, oh, Luigi, he's in the kitchen making a... Come out, Luigi. Ah, I kind of come out. Uh, I'm a too shy, too shy. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's funny. That's another reason why, like, the, these voices are, like, a better decision in that sense of, like... He made that up on the spot, you know, and it just stuck for years kind of thing. So, it, like... I think this movie would be awesome. What movie does everyone want to see next in the Nintendo universe? Uh, after the Mario one. After the Mario one. I want to see a horror spin on um, uh, Animal Crossing. <laughs> a horror spin? Yeah, yeah, horror Tom spin Nook's Animal mansion Crossing. doesn't do it for you. <laughs> no, Tom Nook, mate, if you know, you know. He's, uh, <laughs> that is a capitalist. Yeah, he's uh, just like... It's just like, you know, human centipeding. Like, it's everything yeah. Like, oh, right? <laughs> 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 animal centipeding. Animal yeah. <laughs> That's it. You, uh, you, you make a movie version of uh, Animal Crossing New Horizons. It turns out you find out in Act 2, Tom Nook crashed the plane. Like, he's, he's setting up a new society because he's against, he's, uh, he's facing charges for tax fraud on the mainland or something like that. Oh, have you guys ever read the book Animal Farm? No, <laughs> this could just be the yeah. game version of that. What's Animal Farm? Uh, I don't know when it oh, came out. We had to read it in the uh, George Orwell, I think, is it? Yeah, yeah Year 10 George English Orwell, or something. Yeah. It's one of the classics. So basically, it's a story about farm animals. And from my memory, uh, there's like inequality amongst the farm animals. Uh, and so I think it's one of the pigs takes over and he becomes like the domineering mm-hmm. leader and says, all the animals need to be equal. Um, and all the other animals love it and so they agree with him and they follow him. Um, but then he ends up making life better for the pigs um, and, he's, and he says, all the animals are equal but pigs are more equal. And it turns out <laughs> the whole thing was just like a, a parody of communism and you know, like mm. a critique of communism at the time. So. Yeah. I think and at the sure. end, he like he yeah. starts walking on two feet, like he starts yeah. walking on two legs. Too. <laughs> Meta. I mean, yeah, no. that's Tom Nook right there. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, no. Tom Tom Nook is probably the most capitalist character <laughs> yeah. in any video game. Yeah. He's demanding shells, is it? Uh, yeah, something like that. He's walking yeah. around on two I need feet. More shells. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow his little nephews run everything. Like that's clear nepotism, right there. He's making <laughs> life better for the raccoons. And child labor too. And like, child labor, yeah. <laughs> All right, so this is gonna be like Tom Nook, uh, the story of the Nook Empire, dynasty, <laughs> Nook Empire, <laughs> from zero to Nook in twenty. From zero to Nook. <laughs> oh man. I reckon uh, Metroid will make a pretty good game. Speaking mm. of horror games. Movie. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, good movie. <laughs> you know, you should really make a game of Metroid. <laughs> yeah, should good really movie. make a game. <laughs> good, good movie, yeah. Yeah. Like a... Because it, it's it's based on what, Alien? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. That's what inspired yeah. it. Uh, but it's a bit more kind of exploration and stuff. Um, I think... I mean, you could do like Legend of Zelda. There's been There's been like the animated series and stuff, but it's never really come together. Mm. Um, mm. Unless unless Netflix does it and they do like a Witcher kind of thing. Well, it was a rumor. I don't know if it was a rumor. If it's actually happening, but they were going to make a Netflix series of Zelda, it, and yeah, the rumor was through. Tom Holland was going to play Link, and everyone lost it. Right. Yeah, I think right. it fell through that. from that what I cool. yeah. from what I heard. They were like planning it, and then I don't know, maybe it leaked out. There's a story I read where they, I think it leaked out and then basically Nintendo said, well, we're cancelling it. Like, that's it. <laughs> you promised you wouldn't tell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, def- I agree with you. I'd, go, I'd probably go for a Metroid. A Metroid, Metroid would be awesome. 
Yeah. How, how about uh, Goldeneye? They should make that into a movie. Ooh. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, a promise there. It's a movie. <laughs> it's a live action but, movie. But they, they need to keep Grant Her- uh, Kirk Hope as the composer. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Need some of those, um, the music from the other games. Yeah. From Banjo Kazooie. <laughs> <laughs> you could just make a battle royale that's just um, Smash Bros. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That wouldn't take much narrative. Like, <laughs> Yeah, do, they just got to do what they do with um, like the Mortal Kombat movies, where it's like mm. you figure, how do you put a story in there? And somehow they do. Mm. Do they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the story well, the, is fight. The fight. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just enough story to make it actually make sense to fight each other. <laughs> <laughs> um. Then the the last thing you had written, Costa, was. Is um, it's actually pretty cool. The yeah. remote game jobs listing. Well, yeah, this is a website I came across, and I thought, I uh, you know, would would plug it. Um, RemoteGameJobs.com. This is a really awesome site. It's um basically a lot of game companies list up uh, roles that they have, uh, and it's all remote roles. So this is uh, in Australia, worldwide. And it's across, you know, basically every discipline. Like you got art, programming, design, sound, uh, you know, production, business, anything like that. And um, yeah, I mean, like I, I definitely always have a look at it, um, and it's it's really cool to see, yeah, all these different developers and like it's just there's so many it's listings. Stark. I was ho- I was hoping to like say a couple of the you know listings in the episode, but I'm just like looking at assist this like. There's you know, a lot there. There's a lot of 200 listings, yeah. There's a lot of art wow. roles and um there's like Blizzard are on there. Um mm. if 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 wow. uh, that PR nightmares your 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 gem. I was about then. to say we probably gonna be yeah, uh, you probably wanna <laughs> think that at the moment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I have um, heard about it and it is a growing website though. So it's not just Blizzard, it's other, yeah, other yeah, big yeah, companies as well, I think, are using it. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, PlayStation, there's they've got two jobs listed, PlayStation Studios and two K. They've, um, mm. yeah. they've got oh, wow. games on there. I'd but, say um, like, re- yeah, subscribe to it. Like if if you're interested on, on the email and they always send you uh, an email every di- like or every day or every week, however frequently you want in the specific discipline that you're looking at, which is a like, great way of just like finding real targeted job ads if you are looking for a role in game development. Yeah. Do you think something like this is good for local community? Like... So I, I'm kind of split. Like part of me is like, oh, it's awesome because if people are struggling to find work here, then they can find work elsewhere and they can stay mm. doing, building up skills for game development. But then on the flip side, it doesn't give much incentive to start new game companies here. Kind of mm. Good point. Mm. Well, what do you guys think? I think it could go either way. I think um, I think that's definitely a valid thing. I think some game ideas and some game projects come about because you're inspired with the people you work alongside. Like, um, I don't think I, uh, like personally myself, I, I couldn't see myself work wanting to work remote in for a games, um, company, but I know that there are, like, I know people who do, who, who, who would do it, but I'm, I'm more interested in, in working alongside people. Um, so like, you know, talking to people get me inspired or seeing what they do. So like, I love, that's why I love the game jams and stuff like that. But I don't, I don't translate very well online. Um, 
like I need to see the people and stuff like that. So I, I guess it depends on who you are as a person, really. Yeah. I guess you could have more almost indie startups as well. Just go, mm. I've got this project and then pop and add up <clears> and maybe the the lead designer or the the person creating the IPs in Adelaide or wherever you're based and then, you know, get people from all over the world working on it. So it yeah. probably enables that a bit more. There's one thing I noticed. There's like that little banner that says 100%, what did it say? Uh, 100% remote or something like that, which it's like in the little yellow tag next to the job. Oh, uh, okay. Yep. So I guess some aren't, yeah, 100% remote. So I think guessing- some are like preferred, you know, like some, I guess, like, I think there was a, like, there's a couple of jobs, you know, that, that might be like, hey, we're kind of remote at the moment because of COVID, but if things change, then we'd like you to come in and, and work in the office. Yes, so yeah. I think it's sort of like a balance between, yeah, the different types of jobs. I guess it's like, until, like, because the world's so, like, we've all, every country has different costs and, like, you know, even, like, it costs different amounts for you to live here than it would if you lived in some other country. Like, until mm. then, like, it, you know, if all the countries, if we're not all, like, on equal expenses, it's always going to be, like, challenging to do worldwide work like that yeah like and and i mean that's you know the problem you look at like you hear about fiverr and stuff like that and like you know some exploitation on that because some people you know really need work so are are doing their work for very low amounts that you know isn't really sustainable and and helpful for them and i guess that you know like all kind of remote work we're always going to have that kind of issue when there's not like an international kind of consistency right mm-hmm. and like yeah there's no fixing that i guess but it's, it's hard isn't it yeah mm. and i mean looking at some of these jobs uh, one of them here says uh the pay to be decided depends on skills and experience so yeah that's, that could uh, be anything yeah that's <laughs> not good <laughs> um but yeah i guess Susanna, like you're saying um i guess it, uh maybe in a roundabout way it fixes itself because like if if um if if there is like flaws in the system of working online, let's say, or like working remote, um, but it becomes more normal to work online, then maybe there'll be more advocacy uh, that comes out as a result because so many people start, you know, kicking up a fuss. Yeah. Yeah. What about yeah, you, John? Like, because be because you, you're used to working pretty not not like remote remotely, but like you know away from where the actual core part's happening. Like, yeah. could you do something well, like this? Uh, could I do it? Yes. Would I prefer it? No. <laughs> um, I'm someone. I'm someone that prefers to be able to see the people in person that I work with. Um, having said that, though, I mean it doesn't have to be all the time. So, like, um, I mean, on projects I've been on, it's often been you know like meetings here and there, um, and then a lot of the work I do, especially doing music, you kind of it's hard to do it around other people because you kind of have to. Similar to programming and stuff, you just got to kind of like plug in and get real focused, kind of thing. Um, however, um, I also there's a few things here. I also like try to not do all my work from home if I can help it. Um, mm. So like I have a day job uh, in IT outside of music, and I'm one of the few people that actually chooses to go into the office now that everyone can remote uh, work remotely. Most of them work remotely. But I just I need that physical separation to help create the mental separation as well. Mm. Um, but also, there's you know issues that come I find uh, from various experiences with 
being completely remote. Um, you, you're not privy to all the little just kind of small talk from people around you. Um, you know, there's often things that are decided on projects that uh, aren't necessarily uh, fully communicated um, by no real fault um, or, you know, bad decision or whatever. It's just kind of the nature of if you're not there alongside people, you just get a lot less of the information. Um so I think it's one of those things, you know, if I was hiring personally, um, I would look local first and then if I couldn't find anyone I was happy with, then I would probably look uh, remotely. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Susanna, do you, yeah. do you think it's like, do you think something like this has value to your students? Like what what's it sort of like, you know, I mean, with your students finding jobs, is it do a lot of them typically go to local, or do they do a lot of them go online or remote? Like, given on you know, or do a lot of them move? Is that is that a thing that happens? To you? What have you seen with your students? Yeah, well, um, nobody's graduated from the games major yet because we only started last year. But I've yeah. been teaching um, games and digital media for a few years now, and generally, I find I do find that a lot of graduates are doing um, freelance work or contract work, um, either distance or in person. Um, but I think that the distance thing, like I, I've actually found it pretty useful a lot of the time. Um, I think sometimes like, cause I have ADHD. So when I'm in an environment, like uh, an office space with lots of stuff happening all around, I'm like, Oh, what's that? Is it someone's moving over there? Oh, what's in that corner? Is it a squirrel? Yes, it is. Oh, I got to go over there. And then I don't actually like, sit down and do my work because there's, you know, there's too much interesting stuff. Like how can I stop it? Right. Mm. So sometimes like it, it is kind of like that separation of like, you know, being at home, it's quiet and it's my space and I know what's around and I know that there's nothing moving in the corner that's going to interest me because I can hide it. Cause I know, you know, I can turn the PlayStation off right, and like <laughs> shut the door, mm. but like, and then, you know, I can kind of get into that focus like so yeah I, I get I get what you're saying about that like separation but sometimes that separation is easier in your own space if you yeah. can control it yeah. like you've got that level of control that you might not otherwise have too so I think it's like everyone's really different hey like mm, we all totally. work in a really different way and part of part of our lives is figuring out how we work the best and yeah and one of the good things is we almost have the option now um mm. Where, yeah. if our employer gives it to us or whether you choose to go with a service like this. Um, I know one thing is like a lot of parents are loving remote because they can spend more time with their kids or especially if they had to do like school drop-offs and pickups and things like that um, rather than having to do this mad rush to drop off their kids and then rush to their office. Um, they can kind of just go from their home to work and then, you know, if they're a few minutes late back home, then it's not a huge deal kind of thing. So. Mm. I guess their kids are like, let them do more work than mine. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> could you do a cluster? You're, you're very, uh, yeah, you could do it, I reckon. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree with all those points. Like that, the thing that you lack when you work remote is that, um, that social interaction, I think. And I think that's really important, like in just feeling a part of a team and, and feeling like you're welcome in, a, in an environment. So it, it's, I mean, it's, it's not a deal breaker, but it's, it's probably just a challenge for maybe for the company to yeah. try to facilitate as much as possible to create that social interaction, um, you know, online in whatever way is possible. And I think that's probably something that some of these 
you know companies struggled with um especially if they ha- didn't have that remote culture um they've probably struggled mm-hmm. with transitioning to remote and then just basically just no one you know no one talks to each other like Remember, in a social uh, context Ashley van wingard when we had her on and she was saying um with wargaming yeah. that they put all those things in to try and get like they had a a I don't know if they were using Slack, but they had the voice channel always on. Um, yeah. They had a whiteboard system and like no one was using it. They were home and they were just, but I think because she was working with majority programmers who were just like, just wired the team in. She and- was, yeah, I think the team she had was uh, majority programmers, but yeah. And I remember she mentioned like would do sort of quizzes, you know, uh, at certain times and just do like little, little things like that, that would just spark, you know, yeah, social interaction because yeah. you, you just you don't get it when you're when you're working remotely and you don't actually see the people in person even like with um you know when we had to start putting our study online because we went into um lockdown last year like we started doing like games night on discord and just all kind of like the whole class just oh, logging cool. on if they could and just playing some guardic phone or you know among us or whatever we've got on to just awesome. kind of like chill and you know like you said be present because you can't work if you're together if you're not you don't know each other can you yeah that's awesome Mm -hmm. it is it is interesting as well i think um like we've got some of these huge triple a companies like rockstar and stuff that have had multiple development offices and stuff for a long time as well so it'd be interesting almost to learn from them how do they coordinate between these different offices and how can we, can we can we pull that wisdom out and then like teach it to everyone now that a lot of people are working remote as well? Yeah, or I have actually, no idea what they did. You just made me think. Curveball. Um, yeah, I wonder if this disrupts the plans for you know how the the, the new incentives and stuff. The ten percent, the twenty percent rebate, ten percent rebate of building a studio here. Or they go, oh, I can work online. I don't need to build a studio in Adelaide. I can stay exactly where I am and get people from Adelaide to work online over there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, well, it's interesting because like you probably um, can cut costs, like so many costs, by not having to rent a place out and just almost running your entire business, well, mm-hmm. or, or most of it, online and just using the the in person, you know, sp- like in person physical thing for social interactions, and then maybe just for like meetings that you need to take that are you know important with. But that's the thing; you can have a meeting online now these days. Like you don't really need to be in person, so. I have a feeling like it's a, yeah, it's a probably a good thing um, for companies, like in from a cost saving perspective as well. Actually, is, isn't it funny? Are we we're all based in Adelaide here, aren't we? Yeah, we are. I mean, we're currently having an online meeting, even though we're all in the same <laughs> city. Well, so. I'm in Gawler, so oh, yeah, okay. that's like... oh, you're all the way over there. <laughs> that's be in so totally, yeah. yeah. <laughs> nah. Well, that's a good. Uh, Costa and I were talking about this, like when we were. Um, talking about the format of this, you know, the new episodes and stuff like that of, you know, ideally it would be great to all be in the one spot, but at the same time, we're like, this is just easier f- for that reason. Like the genie is out of the bottle. Now that we can, we know we can do this from home. Like, well, that's right. Especially yeah. like if you've got a family, like, yeah. yeah, I can like, oh, you know, I'll be back in, you know, an hour or whatever. See, I'm going in the next room. But otherwise, you know, if it was in Adelaide, it'd be like, I'd be back in three hours or four because you've got to do the trip and park yeah. and, you know, like all that. So. Actually, that's you mentioned thing. that to yeah. me, Susanna, the other day, um, not about this topic, but the idea of um, 
not the idea as if it's a far out concept, but stretching the definition, no, not stretching, widening the definition of what the equality means. Like, because equal- uh, uh, we were talking about it through um, geographically where you're located, like even within the state locks you out of basically, you know, getting good education, not good, but education from certain areas just because you can't get to it or you're so far removed, you don't even know about it. So yeah, this, this goes a long way to leveling that kind of playing field. Definitely. That's yeah. yeah that's a really interesting. I didn't even think of that like that. Yeah. Right. This, this uh, online work thing. Yeah. Right. It, it has my tick of approval. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think too, like also um, if we like, think about like you know going to uni and all the limitations the things that you have to be able to do to go to uni like just to get to the the place but too like if you think about it a lot of people if they're they're ill or they've got stuff going on or they've got like even people in their house that might be you know at risk of covid and they're like extra worried they might go i'm not going to go into class today because you know i don't want to risk it i don't want to get someone sick but you know you can log on to your zoom call your discord call without you know any sort of risk mm. and keep keep up with your mm. education yeah, as well that's like, right yeah yeah it's like the mobile phone you can still use the landline if you want but we all adapted <laughs> we've all gone out well Wait, mobile you still got a yeah. landline <laughs> no I, I mean <laughs> i'm italian I, I must have one somewhere does it does it have the dial on it as well yeah. it has a dial it has someone holding it there's a, a doily underneath I, it I think that's coming back. I think I think those rotary phones. I think that's going to come back into fashion at some point. Yeah. Have you seen the old uh, the old handheld phone thing that you can plug into your iPhone? No, oh, it's like one of those. It's got the cord and everything. I want it so bad. <laughs> Just for that old experience. I, yeah, because like no one knows. Like I was teaching primary school a few years ago, and there was a, like a picture of a phone on something, like like you know, phone number, and it has the picture of the old symbol and the kid was like what is this and i was like oh wow what? And like they didn't know that that was a phone because they've legit <laughs> never seen that kind of phone oh, like it crazy. always looked like a brick yeah <laughs> like these okay. hand signals of like the thumb and the pinky to your ear and mouth like that doesn't make sense anymore it's now this uh, kids do when they're talking on the phone like mimicking oh, on the f- wow. they do something like that <laughs> um the old phones have the hash key and they're like, you guys hashtag back then and stuff like that. <laughs> but it was all spoken word hashtags. Spoken <laughs> word hashtags. Yeah. Well, you, you know, like that kind of stuff that's blowing my mind is seeing, um, I think we're all more or less the similar age here, but I've seen on Twitter and stuff and TikTok, uh, people are getting keen on the emo phase and you've got like young kids now like, doing some semi-emo like styles and stuff like that because it's like a throwback to the oh, previous really? generation or whatever Damn, it's always it's, it's it's all in cycles that's how, that's how yeah. it works yeah well i feel like um because i had this legit same hair like in high school. <laughs> <laughs> and then recently i was like oh i'm gonna do that thing i had in high school mm. <laughs> right oh it, it does it just comes back you just yeah. do whatever you want right <laughs> keep keep all your clothes and you'll get use out of them again I'll tell you what, I tried on some skinny jeans recently and, man, it does not feel the same. <laughs> there, there is definitely Maybe an age limit on that. Maybe that one's best to give up, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I reckon, um, I reckon, God, we've done an hour 20, guys. That was yeah. uh, that was an awesome chat. That was, that was really good. Thank you for 
coming on you guys for um for this one um uh, cheers for having us it's been oh, fun yeah thanks for having me yeah it's awesome um we'd love to have you guys always you know anytime back um keep it casual keep it all this stuff yeah which is good i'm on a high right now i don't even know what to say <laughs> Costa, take it away <laughs> yeah thanks thanks everyone um yeah we hope hope we can have this format ongoing see how it goes um all the links to the articles that we uh, covered will be in the description, I think. I don't know how we're going to deliver this, but it'll be in the description. We'll you provide promised them. it now, so you've got to figure out a way. <laughs> Get yeah. on the phone to Spotify tonight. <laughs> um, if you want to follow us, you can follow us on Twitter. Um, John, you have do you have a specific handle on Twitter? Uh, yeah, find John you? underscore Ostman, O-E-S-T-M-A-N-N. Otherwise, just check out Costa's description. That is promised. (laughs) (laughs) And Susanna as well. Do you have Twitter? How can people reach out to you if you want to? I think it's like Susanna K. Emery or something. I'd probably just Google me. (laughs) All in the the description. Don't worry. We'll we'll provide it. it. It's a sweet business. You can do it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, fantastic. Uh, Have a good one, guys. Yeah. Thank you, guys. See you later. Thanks, everyone. See ya. Bye.